0: I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, folks. Happy Labor Day to all of our U.S.-based listeners. Uh, we are recording this on August 30 for release on September 6th. Hopefully um, none, nobody's working.
1: I know. I hope everybody is enjoying a long weekend, though I know there's a lot of people that don't have that luxury, even on national holidays. But hopefully got a little bit of R&R.
0: A little R&R. Totally. Um, what will you be doing for Labor Day weekend? Oh, I um, am taking an ill-fated trip. To Michigan to see my family. <laughs> Good thing that this is going to air after the trip. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So when they hear that you said that, <laughs> hopefully by the time we record our next episode, I'll I'll have um, corrected myself because I was so wrong with my assumptions about what a shit show this trip's going to be.
1: Oh, it's going to be great.
0: Sure. Sure.
1: How about you? <laughs> I am also going to spend time with my family, and we are talking about turning it into an all-things canning weekend. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So we're going to go up to our family cabin, get away, and we're going to just can the heck out of some peaches and some grapes, maybe do some, um, some pickles. So... It's an annual thing that we do.
0: Okay, so here's my my issue, and mm-hmm. this might be a Wasink household only issue, which is why I'm asking. We've canned some things, and then we never fucking do anything with them. What do you do with like canned grapes?
1: Well, we make um, jam out of them or jelly, grape jelly. And I've got two really young kids, okay. so that comes in handy mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: for P- PB and J's.
0: Yep, obviously.
1: Um, and we give them as gifts, which were great, like they were great teacher gifts and stuff, until like the third year that you're giving people, like they, they can only use so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? hmm hmm But I saw this new recipe or someone uh, posted it the other day for a peach jalapeno jelly. Oh, interesting. I know. So maybe we'll try something new. But we do peach butter, too. Mm. I
0: love a good peach butter. Peach butter. Delicious. Yeah. Yeah. We've done peach jalapeno salsa before, which has been quite tasty. <gasps> oh,
1: see? Look at that. That's a yeah. great idea.
0: Yeah. We've never canned it, though. It's like, you know, eat fresh.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I hear what you're saying, because we do have quite a few jars still left over in our yeah, cupboard. right? But we put the dates on them,
0: and we try to get through them as much as we can. Yeah. I mean, I just... It's a lot of work to then just sit on a shelf. That's fair,
1: but when the apocalypse happens and I'm stocked and you're not, then I think you'll be singing a different tune.
0: My my whole plan in the apocalypse is just go out quick. Like oh, that's I right. I don't I don't need to be like running from <laughs> zombies. That is not that's not my brand. I that's just like get brand. me in the first wave, I'm good. Take me out early.
1: <laughs> I know. Well, I thought I was fucked in the apocalypse um, for a long time, and then I got LASIK, and I feel like I greatly increased my chances. <laughs> okay. So funny you say that. So have you been watching the Paralympics at all? No. I mean, I've seen uh, snippets on uh, the news in the morning.
0: Oh, my God. They are so fucking amazing.
1: So I am amazing. loving
0: it. I, I'm i watching it more than I I did the, the Olympics last month. Um, but I was just watching I, – I, it's like visually impaired soccer. Oh, okay. So they all have to wear something over their eyes so that they have full blindness. So, you know, it kind of levels out any bits that some people might still have. Um, they have goalkeepers who are fully sighted and then um, – like a support person on the sideline who can yell and say things, but yeah. they're, they're playing soccer How? with no sight. How? Their senses are so fucking attuned. It's amazing. I was watching, they, they had a, um, what's that called? Where you, you kick it in and you're the only one and the goalkeeper I played soccer for <laughs> like so an, many years.
1: <laughs> like an extra point. Yeah, that's what it's called. Like yeah. a
0: standoff? I don't know. I don't. I never played soccer. It's an old Western standoff. <laughs> <laughs> they're blindfolded. Two guns. Holsters. <laughs> but what they do is the the like support person has a little stick and they hit the two sides of the goalpost and then stand in the middle behind and yell. So they're giving like the the audible signals like here here's your frame. Get it in. And they fucking do that's amazing it's incredible and then the fully sighted goalkeeper is struggles just as much as i paralympians you are the true heroes i don't understand and i am so impressed
1: that's amazing do they how do they know when someone's coming up
0: that that's that they're on their team scent i don't know i don't know it's just all the other senses (laughs)
1: Like, do they have a bell that rings at a certain pitch, like, for their...
0: No, each team has one smell of cologne. Oh. (laughs) I don't know. Man, that
1: is insane.
0: It's so incredible. A
1: hundred percent. They are absolute rock stars.
0: And they would survive the
1: apocalypse. Like superheroes. Yes, they will.
0: Mm -hmm. Without LASIK. Truth.
1: (laughs) Truth. (laughs) Truth. Um, all right, I'm ready for
0: it. Today's topic? Nope. Um,
1: Monday's jokes with Nia, everyone.
0: You ready for this? Yes. So, you know, I bike a bit here and there. You do.
1: You do. You <laughs> got to
0: keep up with the maintenance. But the the most frustrating thing is that it gets more expensive to buy a tire pump every year. It's all that damn inflation.
1: Oh, my God. Your delivery is what makes it. Thank you. Thank that's, what, you. that's what I'm going to say. That's what I'm going to say. Oh, <laughs> uh, I know so little about bikes. I'm like, why the hell are you buying a bike
0: pump every year?
1: Like, do they go out that quickly? I don't understand.
0: <laughs> You're really going through the mechanics of it all. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. What are we talking about today? Okay. This is part four of our board series, so we've identified the candidates. Mm-hmm. We've vetted them. Yep. We voted, and we yep. even did an orientation and board buddies. How do we keep them on the board now? Today, we're talking board retention. Retention.
1: Yes. So um, depending on your bylaws, you might have different um, board terms, right? Mm-hmm.
0: And then, or not. I mean, I've talked to people. (laughs) If you don't have term limits, please get them. Please, now. Like, term limits
1: in, um, like, years, and then also how many times you can re-up, right? Yeah. Because I was talking to someone the other day, and, like, they've been on our board for, like, 10 years. I was like, what? What the
0: hell are your board terms? I was just talking to a client with the exact same thing, and I was like, I read your bylaws. You have limits. And she was like, Oh, yeah, we don't really follow those. Exactly.
1: Yeah. They're like, Oh, our board term is three years. Okay. Well, how many times can you do it? Yeah, just as much as you want. (laughs) (laughs) So, assuming that you have actual board terms, we're trying to talk about retention. Um For a full term, so how do you keep them for their full term so they don't leave early, mm-hmm. and then how do you get them to renew? yep when
0: it's time to renew so Brittany, in your yes. experience, when people have cut their term short um and it's board related right like people have family issues come up totally. get that, but when it's board or organizational related, what have been some of the reasons you've heard
1: well. It's interesting because you're trying to make a distinction between it being about the actual board versus about their personal life. And honestly, I find that sometimes it's about the board, but cloaked as a
0: personal Mm, issue. mm -hmm. Yeah. Important distinction for sure. Right.
1: Right. Um, because it's a lot easier to say like, oh, well, my life just got more complicated. Or, you know, this is, I just don't have, I got a promotion and I just don't have the time anymore or whatever. And all that might be true, but I just feel like, it, it's like where I've worked at places and people have left. And they're leaving the organization saying like, oh, well, I've decided to go back to grad school or I've decided... And that's true, but, like, the reason they decided to do that is because they didn't see a future where they were, and mm-hmm. so they started looking at other options. And so I feel like the same is with board members, that when they are not feeling engaged, it just doesn't seem worth the time commitment. hmm And so they find an excuse to gracefully exit.
0: Nice. So engagement, like actually engagement. having stuff to do. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, but lack of engagement for being why they're leaving. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. So they just don't feel like they're
0: useful. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't feel helpful. I don't feel like I really know what's going on.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally, that's a,
1: that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, or I mean, I mean, come on. There's like a million different things. I don't know what you're fishing for, but there's a a lot. Sometimes there's board um, dynamics that are happening that don't feel inclusive.
0: Yeah. That's a fun one. Yeah. Add a little racism, dash Mm -hmm. of sexism to a board Mm -hmm. meeting. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe some ageism in there. Ooh, yeah. Let's throw that on. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about the board members who didn't really realize what a board does and thought they were just going to come on the board to, like, run the organization and their pet projects? Right. That's a bummer. Seen that a few times over.
1: Yep. Yep. What else? Usually, like, if there's infighting. So, yes, there, you know, there's the lack of inclusiveness. But I think that there's also some times where there's just cattiness. Mm-hmm. Or um, on boards, there's what do I want to talk? What do I want to say? Like where the people are grouping up and kind like clickiness?
0: of clickiness, clicky. That's it. Oh, yeah. Gross. Hate that. Um, how about boards where like a decision was made that they don't agree with? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, seen that happen a few times.
1: Or boards where there's a new uh, CEO hired that mm. they don't.
0: They don't like CEO or board chair. I mean, just that leadership shift can do it. Mm -hmm.
1: So a leadership change that they're not happy about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Lots of reasons why people leave boards unexpectedly. So of course, go on.
1: Oh, sorry, real quick. I know I have a friend who left a board because she felt she wasn't um, as familiar with the organization when she signed on and then once she learned more about the organization she realized that she didn't agree with um like their service delivery Mm. and their she believed in the mission but not how they were um
0: delivering it yeah Mm. fascinating Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so obviously all of those are things that should be addressed um, but we want to go further. We want this to be a place that people want to stay, that right. they get to the end of their first term and they're like, yes, please. I would like a second. Right. Not that that happens all that often. Most of the time they're not even asked. <laughs> How many times have you been in a board like, oh, I guess you renewed your term five months ago since you're still here. Welcome. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah,
1: that's more often the case. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. So some of the things we know that help retain board members and good board members would be addressing some of these things off off the bat, like issues with how an organization's run, the work they do, the role of a board. That all actually happens during that orienting phase. Well, that's exactly what I was thinking
1: about um, this morning when... um I was considering this topic and just kind of going through my memories um, and what we were going to talk about and all the stuff, all the different um, phases that we've talked about up until now. If you're doing all of those correctly, yep. then you will have more retention,
0: right? Absolutely. That's where I was going. Spot oh, on. Love it. it. Mm-hmm. On the same page. Always. Except for that one time we weren't. Just that one time. We won't talk about it. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, all of those like big structural things, setting clear expectations, ensuring people know what the board is actually working on, having clarity of what the programs are. That all happens beforehand. So then the, the other bucket of complaints, I would say, kind of fall into this like board operations board culture bucket. Like, how is this a welcoming or unwelcoming environment for folks?
1: Absolutely. And then not only that, but how, going back to that engagement piece, you know, how many opportunities for engagement are you offering your board members and are you finding the right fit for them, right? So let's say you have a bunch of different committees and you have a Uh, governance Mm -hmm. committee, a development committee, a... Um, nomination committee, uh, this. And so have you been able to work with your board members to figure out where their interests are and really connecting them to a place where they feel like they want to engage, mm-hmm. right? That they have a, a natural interest for it and therefore feel like they're making a difference, Yep, right? That they are actually serving.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was trying to think through like, Of all the boards I've sat on, and I want to say I've sat on maybe a dozen or so different boards in my career, Um, the one that I think is still the best experience ever was the organization we closed down. And I think so much of that was because we were all pulling together, Mm -hmm. right? Like we had this one very specific goal. We have to make this fundraising, you know, moment or we're going to close the organization. We all pitched in. Not to say that it wasn't hard. Not to say that there weren't tearful meetings and difficult conversations, but it really felt like we all had something to do, and we were doing it, and we were working our best for the organization. And then when we had to make the decision to close, we we were able to really celebrate the work of the organization. It wasn't one of those like overnight, you know, all of a sudden there's a a note on the office door: this organization no longer exists. Um, and so, as a team, which we truly were, we were a team as a board we got the work done and we did it together and we dealt with the hard things together. And so that was genuinely like the best board experience I think I've ever had.
1: That's yeah, that's amazing because I have definitely heard stories and been witness to um, big scenarios like that where there's a small group within the board who then makes the decision and doesn't actually involve the rest of the board yeah. members. And there's a, a lack of transparency. Totally. And then I've seen board members leave because they just, they've lost trust. Yeah. And they don't feel like they're part of the process.
0: That's such a good point. Um, And this is not like me plugging consultants, um, but it also is. Um, when when we, we... Hey,
1: we're both consultants, so hey-o. go for it.
0: Well, when when this board, when we realized like we have this decision point, as board chair, I realized like I had, a, I had a distinct opinion, right? Like I knew what I thought was going to be best. And I was like, so I don't know that I'm actually the best person to facilitate these discussions. We need a neutral third party who's going to be able to ensure everybody at the table really has buy-in. And so as board chair, actually, probably one of the most powerful things I could do was say – I am actually going to cede some power here. I'm going to bring in somebody else so that we can have this real group process um, and ensure that we all have time to really think through, have our voices heard, and then come to that decision point.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think going back to that um, change in leadership, I think that can either be a very empowering process for a board Mm -hmm. or – Can be a very dramatic
0: process
1: for a board when they are all of a sudden tasked with finding a new leader. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that goes really well, and sometimes that doesn't. And I think that it's also really important, um, like to your point, of recognizing when it's outside the skill set or scope of who's currently on the board. And making the decision to bring in a third party to help with that.
0: Totally. Uh, you just tickled a memory in my brain. Um, I saw it.
1: I saw you start to light up. Oh, my light God. Up.
0: Okay. So I worked for this organization, my very first, like, paid nonprofit job. And our executive director had been around 30 years at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was retiring. And he was partially retiring because they couldn't afford his salary anymore. Um, After 30 years, he was making a lot more. Now knowing what I know, he was not making enough. But (laughs) neither here nor there. I'm sure. Um, But our board was not made up of nonprofit professionals, even business professionals. It was almost all teachers. Mm. And so we asked teachers to lead the charge in finding our new executive director. Yikes. Guess what teachers don't often have a lot of experience doing? Recruiting Recruiting. and hiring. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it was a shit show. I mean, the entire process was a shit show, but then their final hire was a real shit show. Um, And I'll just... (laughs) Okay, so she had never... She had never run an organization, much less a nonprofit. Um, And I'll just never forget the first board retreat she attended. um, She she saddles up with... (laughs) This big bag. And I've got all the materials. Like, I had prepped everything, printed things out. So I'm there handing those out, getting the food out. I'm like, what the fuck is she carrying in this huge bag? She had enough yarn with her to knit the city oh. of Detroit oh. their own sweaters. And she spent the board retreat making the board chair a pair of booties. What? hmm Booties? Uh-huh. And so you, like, there were times when she needed to be, like, present and active. And she'd be like, wait a minute, I, I'm going to lose count. As I'm
1: knitting. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh! <laughs> I can't believe I've forgotten this this moment in my life. And afterwards, of course, uh, especially the board members who I had known for years now because I'd been working with them, they were like, "Was this a bad hire?" And I was like, "Yes, yes, it was." And let yes, me tell you, what a bad supervisor she is, as well. <laughs> oh, I, I think she lasted eighteen months, maybe. And then That's they hire so hard. somebody
1: better. So it's so hard when you're trying and you're tasked with replacing someone who's been in the organization for that long, mm-hmm. right? 25, 30 years. Oh, it yeah. happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And finding someone to come in and quote unquote fill those shoes. Yeah. Um, You could just, you have all the things with change leadership. You know, you're going to have like turnover within the organization. Totally. And I feel like sometimes boards... I know we're kind of like off topic here, but I feel like sometimes boards don't recognize the bigger picture of that and all the ripple effects. Yeah. Right. And especially if they're not clued in with staff, then they're not hearing
0: the ripple effects. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I was thinking, you know, so often we have these longtime executive directors who retire, who leave whatever, and then you end up with a new hire that does not last long. I mean, like that is the story.
1: It's like the rebound after a really long – it's like you have a breakup and then it's like a rebound before you find another
0: fit. Yeah. And, I mean, we see it over and over and over again. What if, though, that is actually because the board is too complacent? Yep. You know, like they've just gotten comfortable. This person knows what they're doing. They're running the organization. They have been for decades. So they're not really clued into what's going on and the, the issues that maybe staff are experiencing and others. And then they're asked to do this massive lift of hiring a new executive director when they're really probably pretty ill-equipped in that moment to do it. Absolutely.
1: Well, and the other thing that happens, depending on the time frame of this, but usually, especially if they hire someone and that person doesn't work out, the board's role changes. Absolutely. Right, dramatically. From being more of an oversight board to somewhat like a board that's more involved in the day-to-day because there's turmoil right Mm. and there's there's not a steady leader and that I think is really detrimental to boards and people on boards feeling good about their experience because it blurs the lines of like what is it like what is our role what is it mm-hmm. that we're supposed to be doing and then they finally get a leader in there right like mm-hmm. someone who's solid and and a fit and they don't pull back
0: yeah they can't transition back mm-hmm. right yeah we did get massively off topic with this totally
1: <laughs> it's all interrelated it's all interrelated Yeah, it's all
0: boards.
1: (laughs) Well, in the sense that I have witnessed boards go through what we're just talking about and lose a lot of board members. Yeah, there we go.
0: There it is. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: Because it was such a shit show. Yeah.
0: And it's a ton of work. So there's definitely board burnout through that. Um, When I see it go really well, it's because they've had some really great upfront conversations about the vision of the organization, the kind of leader they need to meet that vision, and then they hire for that. So by the time you've got somebody in that role, you're still thinking where where this new person's going to be taking you. And it's exciting, and you're engaged, and you have a role in it. And all of that leads to better retention.
1: Yeah. What do you – this is kind of a hard right pivot. What do you think the last 18 months mm. – is doing to people's board experiences. It's
0: so funny you say that because I was just thinking about this after I had like three clients bring it up in the last week. Um,
1: I'm seeing more board members leaving.
0: I am too. And they're citing these these same things. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know that I'm helping. These meetings are a waste of my time. They're a waste yeah. of everybody's time. Yeah. And there there's like no relationship development either. Right, right. I feel like that can't be understated. Like the need to bond as a group is important. I mean, it's such a unique structure that you get together once a month, maybe once every other month, and you make these massive decisions for the organization. Not only do you need to like be tuned into what's happening, but you got to have some working relationship with the other people around the, the table.
1: A hundred percent and I hear that a lot especially in these boards these bigger boards that have 20 plus people. Oh yeah. And they're like I don't even I talk to board members as they're leaving they're like I don't even really know anybody on the board and they've been on it for two or three years Mm -hmm. and how sad it is that they keep showing up for these meetings and yet have never had an opportunity to really connect. Yeah. With anyone on a personal level.
0: Totally. Well yeah let's let's pull on this thread a bit more like let's talk about what actually happens in board meetings okay the worst board meetings are the ones that are just fucking verbal reports of the thing that i already read in the board packet yes why the fuck are we spending 90 minutes on that
1: for sure for sure for sure
0: and i think part of the reason is because the alternative is to have these big strategic discussions and that's scary, and that's harder to facilitate and harder to manage in these board spaces.
1: Well, especially in the virtual space. Because that's, you know, when i asked the question about the last 18 months, clearly I'm, you know, speaking to the fact that most, well, all of them, have had to go to a virtual format. And in some cases, I have seen attendance greater than it normally is because it's mm-hmm. more accessible. It's easy. Right? Yeah. And so I would think that if they are attending more of the board meetings more consistently, then they would feel more involved. Mm -hmm. But there's this other piece that you brought up that I think is huge, which is that interpersonal piece that is being dropped Mm -hmm. in this virtual space. Yeah. And so, and because they're not meeting in person and one-on-one and having those you know, random conversations on the way in and the way out, and during breaks, this like, for lack of a better term, like water cooler conversations. Mm-hmm. I feel like people feel um, disconnected. Totally. Even though they're attending more meetings than they probably have before. Yeah. And I find that fascinating.
0: Mm hmm. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I, it, this unfortunately comes down so much to leadership. Mm hmm. You know, the, the board chairs um, and the executive directors who are really working in partnership, creating opportunities for discussion and engagement. Those are the ones that are able to keep their board excited and therefore retained. Um, totally. I was working with a board recently, you know, doing a board retreat. And there were some folks who were like, I don't know how this is going to work. Six hours on Zoom. Yep, and I was like, you know, we're going to use some different facilitation tactics, but I'm I want to check in halfway through, make sure it's working for you. And we get halfway through and they're like, "Oh my god, this was amazing." And so then afterwards, I was having a conversation with the board chair of like, "Have you used breakout rooms in board right. meetings?" Like, right. What about even 5 minutes at the beginning just to give people time to chat or the discussion before the budget or like there are ways that we can break it down so it's not just one talking head and 15 other squares either staring or turned black because they turned their video off 20 minutes ago.
1: Totally. And I think that there is such a focus on on the fact that it is on Zoom. and Some people have been working on Zoom all day long, and now it's in the evening, and we don't want to keep them on there longer than an hour and a half or two hours. And I get that, and I respect that, and I kind of agree with that. But the other hand is that, When your agenda is so tight Mm -hmm. and you're not adding time in there for some sort of icebreaker or, I don't know, any kind of group bonding activity, you're really doing it a disservice. Mm -hmm. Yep. And unfortunately, like, it's not going away anytime soon.
0: No. No. I saw this, and this was not my idea. This was a client who had implemented this themselves, but I, I saw it in action and really loved it. Um, so for the executive director re- report and all of the committee reports, each representative was asked to pull out one thing to celebrate, one mm-hmm. challenge, and one request to the board. Love and that it. was it. So like, think about some of those executive directors and board meetings. Those are the three things you get to say from your ED report.
1: Yeah, you can't wax poetic for 25 no. minutes.
0: which I get it. Like, you're doing awesome stuff, but we can't spend 20 minutes in a board meeting hearing about all of that, especially when most of it was in your ED report, right? Like, let, let's also hold folks accountable to actually reading that stuff. Yep. Why do we make committee chairs, executive directors, program directors, d- development directors put all this shit together that we're not going to read because we know it's just going to be recited for us again? Let's Let's cut that out. Let's actually have some effective meetings where we're able to have a better agenda that's not so tight because we come prepared, we've read the things, and we're able to spend time in the important discourse. Two things. Please. One,
1: I want to go back to what you're talking about with the leadership because I think that that is so key. I was talking to a client the other day and she I was telling her, hey, do you think you could ask your board members to help with this fundraising task? She said, I'm going to be honest, they're all burned out right now. Mm. We have been having um, monthly board meetings that have lasted four hours. Jesus fucking Christ. What? Because they are having some internal HR issues and it was being talked out during board meetings. So many levels of like inappropriateness right right and i said where was your board chair Mm -hmm. where's your board chair like that is where you need leadership to not let things like go off course so dramatically that you're holding people Hours past what you said that they were going to have to be on there for. No wonder they're burned out. No wonder they don't want to be a part of it anymore. But it's, this is again, going back to the power dynamic. Yep. It can't be the CEO or ED.
0: No. Nope.
1: Well, let's They be clear. can't say like, hey, wait, wait, wait a minute. This seems to
0: not, it's got to be the board chair that's reigns it all in. Well, let's be clear, too. That's an equity issue. So when you ask people to be there for 90 minutes and you go over by 30 minutes, an hour, two, three hours, you are now saying that those folks who have other requirements of their day, they have work to do, they have children to tend to, they just need a break in their fucking day, are less important to the discussion than those who can stay on. Right. So hear me, listeners. Listeners. If your organization is committed to equity, you cannot have board meetings that go far beyond the agenda time and really ones that go beyond 90 minutes, period. Yeah. It's just inaccessible.
1: And then the second thing I was going to say is you want to increase your board retention, do exit interviews. Oh my God, yes. Find out the real, real Mm-hmm. About why people are leaving.
0: Yep. The real, real. The real, real. Yeah. It's interesting. One of the boards I'm on right now, um, the the board slate has to be voted on by the entire membership. So, like, the whole timeline is just really early. Like, literally, we do our annual evaluations six months in, and that's when we commit to our next term or not. Which seems early to me. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you know, back then I said that I'm not going to renew. I am finishing out my current term, to be clear. Um, and now, you know, kind of rubber meets the road. They're realizing who they need, and the board chair reached out to have a conversation with me. And I got to say, like that—that that was such a comforting thing to see that they're really interested in what my experience was and yep. how to build the board for the future. Like it's just such a great indicator of change and willingness yep. to change.
1: Absolutely. I also think how you recognize exiting board members.
0: Yeah. I'm okay. This might not be a popular opinion. Um I'll Ooh, say again let's hear it. Let's I'm a hear millennial. It. I don't need another fucking plaque that says I was on your board. It does it does you no good. Um maybe it does for folks who have like offices that other people attend, but it's just my cats who know that I sat on your board now. Yeah. And it's such a waste of goddamn, I know what those cost. I have had to prepare those awards. Please don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Like there are so many ways that you can recognize somebody and also who they are as a person. Like, again, I'm thinking about this organization that we had to close down. When people would leave, we would get them like a gift card to what we knew was their favorite restaurant. Or yeah. like something that we knew they would genuinely enjoy because of who they were. Not this blanket. Okay, everybody gets this thing. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. I agree. But I, I also think that
1: it would be nice when people are exiting to give them an opportunity. I mean, again, doesn't have to be 20 minutes. But hey, what were the top three things from your, you know, your board experience? Yeah. Like what are you taking with you? that really resonated with you giving them an opportunity to voice what the experience meant for them again in a shortened format yeah. um because too often i've seen it kind of at the end of the meeting as an afterthought totally oh by the way this is jane's last meeting today let's all just give her, let's clap for her thank service jane. Yeah. thank jane bye jane and you're just <laughs> like wait what what just happened
0: what just happened yeah but again, that, that like moment of celebration signals to the other folks that it's a big deal and you're appreciated, right? right? So right. it's not like both that celebration and the exit isn't necessarily as much about that person as it is about the other board members who are currently on the board and continuing to improve it for them.
1: Yes, because it's also, it when it's just an afterthought, then you're like, well, it doesn't really matter if I'm here or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I can leave and... It's no big deal
0: yeah like they don't care totally yes um you made me think too about um just the those dynamics that we see in board meetings that aren't healthy or helpful um that we often don't talk about mm. you know we, we mentioned at the top of the hour top of the hour what what is this the evening news L- <laughs> Coming to you live at the top of the hour. (laughs) Goddamn. Uh, At the beginning of the episode, we were talking about how things like racism and sexism can get in the way of having productive boards. And we've mentioned this plenty of times, right? Like if you are recruiting um, for more racially diverse boards in the future, you have to start working in that culture now. Well, all of that stuff ekes through, though. Mm -hmm. Like even if your board is currently white – If folks are making racist comments, that contributes to a really unhealthy board culture. So it's not just like you need to do that if you want people of color to one day join your board. It is also about like fixing it now for those who are currently on your board.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. And if somebody feels like they don't have a voice, right, Mm -hmm. they're not always going to say that. Right. Right. Especially if there's 20 people on your board and someone's just quiet, they're Mm -hmm. like, oh, they must, they're introvert, you know. And so there really needs to be a system of checking in with board members throughout their service. Yes, 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 yes. And, you know, creating um, a platform where you're pulling forward voices that aren't always the first to speak. Yes, yes.
0: Oh, my gosh. I love that. And not in a tokenizing way. I saw this no. once recently um, and they had like a former program participant or like scholarship recipient on their board. And so it just kept being this deferral of like, oh, you did this. So what do you think? And she kept being like, I, I don't I don't know the needs of people. I graduated mm-hmm. 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, how about we actually ask them?
1: <laughs> right. Uh,
0: but yeah, there's there's so many ways to do it that actually empowers and uplifts and ensures that everybody does have a voice at the table. Um, You know, I always say this when I start board retreats. My goal is to ensure that every single person on this board says something, because all of your voices matter. That's why you're on this board, because you have an important perspective. And your ideas and your voices are really important as we move forward in these decisions. And yet, most boards don't operate that way. You've got the board chair. You've got a few loud voices, and that might be all you hear in a meeting.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: All right. Well, can you think of anything else that helps with board retention? I mean, there's so much, but I'm just realizing once again that, like, we are not a good advertisement for folks who want to sit on boards.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. I thought about that, too. Um, But... I hope that it doesn't scare people away. I hope that it informs people, right, yeah. and educates them so that if they ever do decide to take on that type of volunteer time commitment, that they're doing it with eyes open, that they are, they know what to ask for if they're not given it, right, right? Um. Hey, is there an orientation? Hey, do you have like a job description of what this is? <laughs> hey, am I going to have a chance to meet with people and interview, mm-hmm. you know? um, And that, that hopefully makes for better board members because at the end of the day, I'm, I was thinking about this this morning, we just have a real problem with boards. Yeah. I'm sorry. I can't sugarcoat it. And I know that people sometimes listen to our podcast and they think that we're just shitting on board members and... Poor board members, they're volunteers, and and that's why I think we try, when appropriate, to take accountability for the organization's side of things. Right mm. when they have failed to do their job to set board members up for success. Um, but I just, I mean, you know it. It's like client after client I that I talk to,
0: their board is a mess. Well, in all the situations we're talking about today, like. There's somebody who's been victimized on the other side of that. So, yeah. what we're trying to address is actually this larger systemic issue within nonprofit boards that isn't serving them and isn't serving the individual board members either. Like, right. n- nobody can say that <clears throat> an ineffective board just impacts the organization, it impacts right. everybody sitting around that table. <clears throat> and I was just checking my notes. You know, the one other thing that helps with retention is an annual board assessment. Mm-hmm. Right, like where the board can really look and say, here's where we're we're strong, here's where we're growing, here are the areas where it's not so good. Um, and having that done anonymously so that people can be really honest and the board can continue to benchmark, right? Like that's part of what should then develop their next year's board plan. OK, right. it looks like we we actually need some additional board governance training. Let's plan that in for next year. Let's make sure that's in the budget so we can bring somebody in to help us. That's part of how you continue to build a stronger and stronger board and therefore a board that's easier to sit on and to retain board members. There it is, folks. You heard it here first (laughs) on the 9 o'clock news.
1: Well, we want to hear from you, as always. We have our uh, listener episode coming up soon. It would be great to include some stories about board members or your experience with any of the different phases that we talked about in this series. Um, But especially if you've listened to this episode and you have thoughts on retention or if you're seeing trends. We had no data to back up (laughs) what we said about board members leaving right now. It's strictly anecdotal. um, But we would love to hear from you if you're seeing the same thing or if we're just making shit up.
0: Add to our data set. Email us, (laughs) nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at nonprofitreframe.
1: And don't forget to support your local nonprofits. Give and give generously. Thanks, folks.
0: We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com and Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.